Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Enrico Frezza, the founder and CEO of Peace Out Skincare. Welcome, Enrico. Hi, thank you for having me. Enrico, um, you know, I am fascinated by how many acne brands there are in the market right now. You know, from patches to pimple creams, it's like acne's cool again. And I'm just wondering, you know, Peace Out has been one of the standouts at Sephora, especially. How did you guys come up with this idea? Well, the, the idea started because of my own personal struggle with acne. And I think that's a big point of differentiation on developing the products and how the brand started uh, being an acne positivity from day one. Uh, so I struggled with acne my whole life. I tried everything uh, to get rid of it and eventually started taking antibiotics and that didn't help. So I eventually I started taking Accutane, which cleared out my acne. Um, but after a couple of years, I kept getting those occasional breakouts and those occasional breakouts made me feel super insecure, just like when I was a teenager with acne and I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want to talk to my friends. My family didn't really understand because nobody had acne like I did. Um, and to them, it was just, you know, it's temporary, it will go away. Um, but you have, you know, being a teenager plus acne and not having a community to re- to talk to and explain your mental struggle that you're going, to, going through, uh, that was challenging. And when I found the piece out, I wanted to make sure that I set of launching, you know, first to market and effective products that deliver on the promises, but also that we built a really strong acne positive community where people can talk openly about the mental struggles of acne and talk openly and educate one another and us as a brand, educate them on what we know about acne and how can we help and support uh, through the acne journey. So tell me a little bit about the patches, because it seems like all of a sudden we're in like a patch revolution. You know, your patches are obviously on the market. There's others like Zitsticka and Starface, which are a little bit more Gen Z and bold. I'm wondering like how you thought the patch was really the solve or like the nexus of Peace Out. Yeah, I mean, we launched before all those brands um, launched. And my idea came when I had a bad breakout and... I was in a drugstore and I ended up looking on the Wunker section because I tried everything on the acne section and I stumbled upon hydrocolor dressing and he said absorbs fluids and uh, like pulls out bacteria. I was like, okay, I mean, I tried everything. So now I tried this. And that's where we, that's where I, I put about the patch and I also did a 20% salicylic acid peel and I went to sleep and I woke up and my pimples were flat. A layer of my skin was gone. So the definitely the 20% salicylic acid was too high. Um, but that's where I thought, okay, we have something that can absorb the pimples, but how can we make these into an acne treatment? Because it's not just about absorbing it, but you also have to think about the redness, the inflammation, the bacteria that comes with the pimple. And that's where I thought about infusing with salicylic acid and retinol and, and aloe vera to address the inflammation and the redness and the acne causing bacteria with salicylic acid. It makes us the first ever hydrocolored acne dot that we're able to infuse any active ingredients with the hydrocolored patch. Uh, and we're the only OTC acne treatment um, in the US and uh, natural health products in Canada that's registered as an hydrocolored acne treatment. So when you talk about like other acne patches, they're not realistically an acne patch because in the US or Canada, in order to claim acne, you need to have one of the three recognized acne FDA ingredients 
salicylic acid, benzoperoxide, sulfur. Um, that's what makes it a true acne treatment. So would you tell me when you first launched, obviously it was about the patch. It was about this idea of like targeted solutions. So mm -hmm. was it about clean? Was it about being an acne brand? Was it about being a patch brand? Because I mean, I think now you've really evolved into a true full-fledged skincare brand. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. We, you know, we're a skincare brand that focuses on target skin, uh, target skin concerns. And we also clean and we acne, of course, is a specialty and that's what we started with. Uh, we're the number one acne brand at Sephora and the number one acne brand in the prestige, prestige market. Uh, but now we have a lot of different products that address like wrinkles, dark spots, puffy eyes, and so on. So we, we expanded um, the target treatments to target different skin concerns. Um, and until last year, we really focused on launching patches technologies with different delivery systems. Uh, so for example, Acne and Pores was focused on absorbing uh, because that's the technology that you're called with. Uh, with the microneedling patches, it's focused on delivering the ingredients deeper into your skin, uh, like dark spots and wrinkles because they're really hard to treat uh, just from the surface of the skin. Um, but since last summer, we launched our first topical products, which is our Acne Serum. Um, to kind of counter work with the acne dots. So with the acne dots, you get the spot treatment. With the acne serum, we get the treatment all over acne. Um, and since then, we launched the retinol eye stick, which is the biggest uh, launch today, and that works well with the wrinkles patches. So it's retinol eye stick is a daily use for your under eyes, um, and the wrinkles patches are something you can use once time time a week to give it a boost as a treatment. So would you say that you know the patch is really still the hero of Peace Out, or is it really about kind of creating all sorts of options to figure out what your customer gravitates to. No, I think the patches are the pillars of the categories that we enter. So we, you know, with acne dots, we enter the acne category, with pores, the pores category, with wrinkles, the anti-aging category, um, with puffy eyes, the, the under eye category. So it's, it's really building pillars and then uh, launching products that, um, topical products that work around the patches. And what was your background in beauty prior to this? Because I think, you know, obviously there's so many people who have struggled with acne, myself included. I was one of those Accutane kids myself. You know, I did it twice um, in high school and college. Yeah. And the occasional flare up, even in my 30s, is, is so painful. Yeah. But I'm wondering, you know, what made you take the leap from being like someone who struggled with acne to being a full-fledged founder and a CEO? Well, definitely I'm not beauty experience. Um, I come from cybersecurity, so totally unrelated to beauty. Um, probably the furthest thing is just, I think once I, I needed to find a solution for myself and I was so tired of trying products that did not deliver on the promises and that I would have to use it for a week and I ended up with a more inflamed, flaky red and I couldn't even cover up with makeup. So I think the frustration with lack of innovation in the marketplace, especially in acne, um, led me to really find a solution. And once I found a solution, I knew that I had to bring it to the marketplace because I knew there was a lot of other people like me that struggle with acne and struggle with breakouts and they wanted to have something more effective to treat it. So what do you think was going on in the acne market prior to say Peace Out and some of these competitor brands? Because like I said, you know, I feel like patches are everywhere. They're cool. They're all over TikTok. I know TikTok was a big deal for you guys last year, which I want to talk about. Yep. But, you know, the market, the over-the-counter market had really been dominated by, say, Clean and Clear or Neutrogena or Clearacel. And people say, for better or for worse, you know, that there hasn't been much innovation 
from those brands, but they still are leaders in the space, at least from a sales perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think because they're in the mass market um, and mass, you know, pharmacy retail like Walgreens and Target and Walmart, and they've been dominating for so many years that a lot of people still rely on, on those brands. Um, I think the, when we launched, I mean, there was really not changes since 1985 on the acne category. Um, so it was really bringing new innovation and a new look on acne that was never really brought up before. Like when we launched, everything was extremely clinical, extremely, extremely doctor driven, extremely infomercial celebrities, um, that did not really speak for the acne consumer. Um, and the products were not really truly effective on, on treating acne. Um, so I think both things when now you have brands of like us focus on acne positivity and showing real skin and showing real acne and really bringing products that deliver on the promises make a big difference. Why did you decide to go after the prestige market? Like, obviously, you know, you're not the most expensive thing in Sephora, but, you know, it is a little bit more of a higher price point than what you would find at a CVS or a Walgreens. Well, Sephora has always been a dream. Um, and anytime since I was, a, you know, a teenager coming in the U.S., Sephora wasn't in Italy when I was a teenager. So when I would come in the U.S. and when I moved to the U.S., the only place where I would go in and like, be like oh my God, there is so much cool stuff, it would also be Sephora. So that's what I really wanted to build a strong partnership with and grow the brand within being exclusive with Sephora. And you've stayed that way, correct? Yes, we're still exclusive. And you're going, you're one of the few exclusive brands to also go into Sephora's and Kohl's, correct? Correct. Yeah. So that's a very exciting partnership. We're going to be launching with Sephora Kohl's um, in 200 doors. Um, and we've been expanding globally uh, exclusively with Sephora. And the only non-exclusive partnership that we have, it's in the UK because Sephora is not in the UK. So we both boots, Cold Beauty and Flannels. So would you say that exclusive strategy is, you know, harder to do now than when you see more competitors in the market? Or do you think it's like really allowing you to go, say, deeper with a partner than wider? I think for us, it really helped us to strategically grow the brand um, with the best beauty retailer in the marketplace. Um, and they helped us to push us grow and, you know, see our the business beyond the legacy of the patches, you know, it, it's, it's challenging, especially if you don't come from the beauty industry to, to, to navigate the beauty industry. It's, it's extremely competitive. Um, you competing with, you know, you companies with a lot of funding, you competing with multi-billion dollar companies. So there is a lot of like things that get into it and having a partner that can work in the kitchen with you, like Sephora, it's extremely helpful in helping you get to the next stages and, and to the next growth levels. Um, at the same time, they never really pushed us in a direction where it would affect our vision. They always were supportive from day one of our vision and that has never changed, which is extremely important because you should stick to your original vision and you can adapt it in a way that, you know, you see things that work or didn't work or what you, you know, like um, the topicals and stuff that we have to adapt 
and it, it, the part of the original vision was the patches that we expanded the vision into the topic of products to support the patches. How would you say that your D2C site has fared through all of this as well? Because I know last year when you were doing a glossy talk for us, you know, it was pretty incredible some of the things that you shared, whether it was coming from TikTok or YouTube videos or influencers that were not paid, mind you. Um, how has that grown in tandem with the Sephora business? Um, so until 2019, we really didn't focus at all on um, on our e-commerce. We really utilized it as an education platform um, to give an opportunity for people to learn more about the brand and the story and educate about the products and the technology because we really wanted to focus on growing the partnership with Sephora. Um, and since we, you know, we've been bootstrapped since the beginning, we were at limited resources on pushing both at the same time. So we really wanted to focus on driving everything we could to Sephora to grow the business, which worked out well. And then in early 2020, we did our uh, whole site relaunch and we really focused it. Uh, in 19, we started paying more attention to it, but 2020 was a big year. Um, we saw 610% uh, increase from 19. Um, and it's becoming a significant part of our business uh, year to date. Uh, we're seeing a, um, doubling again from last year, our e-commerce DTC business this year. And what about overall? I mean, I know that numbers are sparse out there about you guys. I know you're pretty tight-lipped. Anything you can share with me about how big the business is today in terms of sales? Yeah, so we're an I-figure business now. So we've been, you know, double, more than doubling our business every year. Um, so... Hopefully we're going to keep in that trajectory for a while. Do you think that the Kohl's partnership especially allows you to kind of maximize that? Because it is a little bit more of a mass entry point. It allows, you know, more foot traffic from the everyday customer that may not necessarily be buying prestige on the usual part of their day. Yes, for sure. And I think we saw that with Sephora inside JCPenney too. Uh, we're one of the fastest growing brand there and, that partnership is going to end soon, but the Sephora calls, I think, brings us to that type of consumer that it's not, maybe as you were saying, not used to, to spend that amount on prestige beauty. So I think our affordable pricing is really going to help us to grow in that demographic. How would you say your customer base has maybe changed over the last year? Because I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, that you know, you've got an influx of customers all over the country, thanks to your D2C site. But then at the same time, you know, we're seeing this acne positivity movement really being driven by Gen Z. So have you seen it get older, younger? What's happening there? So I think last year we saw the a huge spark in our Gen Z base, uh, which became one third of our of our consumer. Um, but also since launching the you know the wrinkles patches and now the retinal eye stick, that kind of shifted a little bit how much our anti aging um, category is growing within our company. So we're we now have. A consumer, on, for example, on acne dots, it really ranges from 14 to in their 50s. And um, with a heavier on Gen Z and millennials, and we anti-aging also ranges really wide. Um, so, yeah, for sure, now that we have the anti-aging category growing uh, exponentially, it's kind of shifting between the two. How do you kind of marry that those two audiences? Because, you know, I think the Gen Z brands that are kind of coming out of the market today are saying they're only for Gen Z. They're specifically targeted to teenagers and young 20-somethings. But then as, as you grow as a brand and as you mature, you need to be able to reach more people. So how do you kind of hold 
those two things together, both the older customer who may be looking for anti-aging solutions, who could be, you know, an older millennial and up or yeah. the really, really young Gen Zer. I mean, I think that those demographics live in different places. Um, and, you know, for example, if you're trying to target an older consumer, it will be Facebook, um, which we have some great app, like ROI on ads uh, for anti-aging and uh, Instagram as well can be a, uh, a good to reach, you know, the millennial consumer and then TikTok will be the Gen Z. So we, we try to focus heavily on TikTok with acne and, um, and education and uh, fun videos and Instagram. It's a balance between the two. Um, and then Facebook is more heavily on anti-aging. What's really worked on TikTok? Because, you know, now it seems like a lot of people are doing a lot of performance marketing a la Instagram and a la Facebook. But I remember last year, I believe it was Kayleen White and Hiram who really just kind of organically started talking about the brand and, you know, really, you know, doing a duet, I believe it was, um, about Peace Out. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so uh, that video went viral. It was uh, Iron, which is one of the biggest skincare influencers, especially last year. It was uh, the number one skincare influencer on TikTok. He picked up this video wearing the pore strips and he duetted and he, he showed the pores box uh, on the video because he's also a fan of it. And that uh, exploded and he got um, 11.5 million views. And we generated, we sold 15,000 units on our site in one single day um of the of the poor strips yeah and we sold out in us canada europe everywhere uh, so it was a global sellout um phenomenon how do you kind of replicate something like that you know or can you you know because i feel like people are always trying to like one up each other on tiktok now just the way they used to with instagram so how are you kind of handling it from a digital marketing perspective you know i think that type of viral video um it's luck and um and it's it's showing really like the efficacy of the product and with the poor service you see all the junk so we replicate a lot of that type of content and it generated it generate great sales and great views like we got a couple of million views but i think also last year a lot of people were sitting at home and didn't have a lot else to do um so that generated a lot more engagement on on a platform like TikTok, where I think this year is slowing down a bit because people are more outside and they're spending less time on their phone. Um, I also think that TikTok in per se the the conversion in purchasing it's it, it's definitely lower in the last year, and we're seeing with um, with influencers that the uh, conversion rate it's not as great as it was last year. Um, so people are seeing it to you know discover new stuff and fun videos and but when it comes to like try to sell products it became a little bit more tricky this year versus last so it's really about creating like fun content and educate and i think for brand visibility it's really important to be on tiktok especially if you have a young consumer and you know one every 10 videos can go viral and that can bring a lot of great sales so does that make you more confident or bullish about what's happening in stores then that, you know, people are actually going to convert in stores now that they can go to stores? Yeah, we've been seeing huge growth in stores in the in the past three or four months. And that's even sans like the mask knee issues that we were all facing last year. Yeah. 
talk to me about like how you're picking up on like cultural moments or zeitgeisty moments because you know I was obviously in preparation for this interview was you know going through your site and doing my due diligence and it was funny because I thought the way that you guys were talking about say National Junk Food Day or you know your acne docu series seemed to be like not performative at all. It just seemed really real. And I'm wondering how your content strategy is really fueling connection with with your customers. So like, for example, the Acne Champs um, and Acne Diaries, it's what we did. Um, it was a 2.0 this year that we did. We did the first one last year. And it's really about focusing and embracing on the acne community that we have and highlighting acne stories and real acne stories and the real experience on acne and the struggle with acne and how they uh, felt about beauty and their skin and, and showing real skin and real texture to reinforce and having acne, you're still beautiful. It doesn't make you any less beautiful and it's okay to have acne. And as a brand, we're here to support that journey and we're here to provide as much education as we can and products that deliver the results are, are promised. You mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that you you were bootstrapped when you first started the business, and obviously you weren't coming from the beauty landscape before launching this brand. So how are you kind of approaching, you know, taking on partners or fundraising now? Because it seems like a lot of your competitors in the last year have raised money, you know, whether it be Heroes Cosmetics or is it Sticka? It seems like everybody's kind of trying to be as big as they can be right now. Yeah, so we're looking um, for next year to potentially raise money. Um, I wanted to build this the business to a really decent size before um, taking on investors or you know raising the capital. I didn't feel like we needed it um, back then um, because the organic growth was so strong that it fueled us um, to be able to support the the growth and it didn't slow us down. I think you know next year we're reaching that next level of growth this year, next year, um, where we're going to need the extra capital to take us to the next level. What are you looking for in a partner? Somebody that understands the vision and understands the mission of the company and understands really what we stand behind as a, as a company. Um, and not that it just focuses on, I mean, of course, numbers are a big part of the, you know, of anybody investing, but at the same time, I, it would be, also to you know to to partner with somebody that can understand all those things and also help you to get you and get you to the next level of growth. What does that look like? I mean, is it really about maybe international? Maybe if you're thinking about staying exclusive with Sephora, is it new distribution? Is it a bigger e-com site or bigger, um, you know, a bigger team? Yeah, I mean, we, we even our team has grown pretty fast. Uh, we're right now thirty three employees. Um, we were. Uh, about 20 last year and we're about eight the year before. So we've been more than doubling our team and we started really tight. Um, I mean, we re- I launched the brand by myself and then Junior, my husband became the CMO and then we are two people, but not, you know, being bootstrapped from the beginning, it definitely went to hold off on our talent um, for a while. Um, so kind of gave us no life, but it was worth it. Learned every single part of the business. You know, as we're expanding globally, the needs for a, a bigger team, there is, you know, a lot more requests, a lot more work on marketing. There is a lot more work in product development. There's a lot more work in logistical. There's a lot more work in uh, quality control. We also have a lot of, you know, OTC products, um, which makes the quality control a lot more challenging. 
And we have some few exciting things down the pipeline and for next year. Um, so yeah, for now, that's all I can say. <laughs> when you think about, you know, innovation, um, where do you see yourself branching into next without sharing all of your secrets? Yeah, so I think, you know, keep dominating the acne category and launching products that um, I feel like are missing in the marketplace or that can be drastically improved. Um, and now with the moisturizer, we finally built a full routine. So we have the blemish balm as the cleanser, the acne serum as your treatment and the moisturizer as your daily repairing moisturizer. Um, so it's, it was about building routine and the acne is a focus as well as anti-aging. So there's a lot of anti-aging, um, fun projects coming up. And would you say, you know, in terms of, of growing, you know, obviously product is a big piece of that, but, you know, coming from being an outsider in beauty, and I consider myself a one as well, you know, I covered fashion for years before covering beauty, you know, would you say that you're looking for people that are in the beauty industry or looking for maybe those outsiders who are able to look in? Uh, in terms of product development? Product development or solutions. So all the all the product ideas that are in PSA or in the pipeline came uh, from something that I either was struggling with or that I felt um, I didn't have in my routine and I wanted it in a way. Like, for example, the retinol eye stick, it's, I hated the tapping thing of the eye cream um, and t putting my dirty fingers in a jar or... It's just that process annoyed me and I almost skipped almost every time putting an eye cream on because of it. And then I started seeing my wrinkles. I was like, okay, so I do need to put an eye cream. And then I started putting a retinol eye cream and I didn't see results. Then I put a prescription retinol um, on my on my eyes and that got me flaky and red. So that's where I was like, okay, so I need a solution that both drives the results without the irritation or dryness. And then it doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to tap it and, and put a cream. And that's where the balm, like the lip balm, um, idea came from in the form of a stick and the stick is made out of 60% squalene. So it really protects the skin and hydrate it at the same time of delivering really high percentages of retinol, but without the down, the downsides of it. So it's really about personal experience. It still remains that way. Yeah. All of it. And then I guess lastly, I mean, do you find yourself, you know, as a founder, everybody loves, you know, the founder story. Everybody wants to see the founders. I feel like founders are like the new QVC posts <laughs> on Instagram Live for, the, for their own brands. I mean, are you still as forward facing as you were, say, a few years ago? And do you think customers expect that? I think even more now um, than, than, than before. Um, I'm, I'm so, so an introvert. So it took me a while to like, be you know totally comfortable with being front facing but junior was like you have no choice you have to be so i kind of like you know give in and i think it's important for for me to be there and to be the face especially when we're talking about acne and and the story um it has to be real and and the company it was built upon that so i feel it's important to keep sharing my story so i can maybe inspire other people. Perfect. Thank you so much, Enrico. It was so nice having you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. 
See you next week.